You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV. And crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film news writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey everyone. Uh, you get a little bit more of me this week since I wasn't uh, there to bother you at all last week. So here yeah. we go. So I, I'm, I'm glad to have you on, Ryan, because, you know, most of the time Peter has you on. We're talking box office. You're talking movie news. You're like deep in it. And today, you know, we're, we're doing a little bit more of a laid back just conversation about what you've been doing, what you've been watching kind of thing. So um, hopefully this will be uh, an enjoyable experience for you. But um, speaking of enjoyable experiences... You've been uh, sort of getting out and, and covering some stuff, boots on the ground for us at Slash Film. What have you been doing recently? I have. Uh, one of my favorite things in the world to do uh, as it relates to this job is actually get out and do stuff. And uh, I was very lucky. I got to do two uh, first two events I've ever done for us. I went to, uh, uh, because I didn't go to Star Wars Celebration, uh, it just so happened that the same weekend was Phoenix Fan Fusion, formerly Phoenix Comic Con. I grew up in Arizona. That's where I cut my teeth doing journalism. So... When I when it was determined I wasn't going to go to Star Wars Celebration, I was like, cool, can I go do this instead? And, uh, you know, I had a bunch of friends out there and it's like a very it's a big con, but it's not too big. And it was the first time it happened in three years because of covid. So, like, it was great going back. And um, it was, you know, it, it's just the, like the perfect type of convention if you like that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And getting to go there for us was kind of like a cool full circle moment for me because it was like nearly a decade ago that I went for the first 
time as a media person uh, in my very early days. So it was pretty cool. Um, nice. And then I did the uh, ATX Television Festival out here in Austin, where I lived for the first time uh, last week, which was, again, a new experience for me, but a fantastic little festival. Um, I mean, just truly, like, really well run, smooth, small, but, like, great guests really like the moderators were great which is kind of rare at that sort of thing and so (laughs) that was like that was like a really good experience all around too so it was really cool that was like back-to-back weekends of being really busy with that stuff but it was really neat i was i was really happy to actually get to be on the ground to do some stuff for us and got some good stories out of it and you know it was cool it was nice to be able to do that that's great man yeah the mentioning the moderators thing like when i lived in la i was there for i think 11 years and um i saw a lot of stuff in person a lot of events and things and the moderator can really like make or break a whole thing because especially especially in la so many of them fall into this trap of thinking that the audience gives a crap about them and they don't nobody (laughs) nobody cares well the other thing i me and hannah were talking hannah one of our editors uh she was working the weekend and i and i was talking about that a little bit with her and you know south by southwest is out here in austin and and there's nothing what brought it up as we were talking about because i was like well the q a portion of this panel is coming up and and even at the atx festival what i got to give everyone their credit for no cringy questions because i'm sure you've dealt with this where you've been at like a panel or (laughs) or a screening and the q a comes up and just the cringy questions that come up from the audience members and like I know, you know, fans are not journalists, but like, my God, having to sit there and deal with like these long winded (laughs) questions and like just seeing the talent, just like their eyes glaze over. I didn't have any of that, which was amazing. That's awesome. So um, I I don't want you to run through like every single thing that you saw because we'd be here all day. But do you have any like particular highlights from either Phoenix or the or ATX that you wanted to to mention here? Like um, just like personal things that you maybe it wasn't even something that you covered for the site, but just like a thing that you got to see or that you were interested in? Uh, I hadn't got to walk a convention floor in years. It's been years because of COVID. So Phoenix comic-con exhibitor floor is to, it's about as good as anywhere. Like even like, you know, cause San Diego comic-con so big, Mm -hmm. like it's not like Phoenix is perfect. And so I, what I usually do is I have what I jokingly call my adventure bag. I have like a messenger bag and I always buy pins to go on it. And for some reason, this guy had a bunch of like old school, like monster pins. And he had like this really cool Planet of the Apes one that was like based off one of the weird, obscure posters that was like a propaganda poster that said go (laughs) ape on it. And so I got like this weird Planet of the Apes pin that I just have on my bag now that like uh, and this is like I kind of think the Planet of the Apes movies are maybe make for one of the best franchises ever. So I'm a big Planet of the Apes guy. So that was kind of fun. But it was just a dumb little thing. Like a nice, when you get to be on the ground and do stuff, you get to do stuff like that. And it's a nice reminder of, you know, these are all the things I've done. And you kind of remember, you know, when you look at your bag, you're like, oh, there's that pin from that thing I did. And, you know, so that's, that's kind of for me. It's like my way to like track my weird little journey in this weird job I've somehow found myself in. Yeah, it's the equivalent of uh, getting your passport stamped or something almost. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. That's kind of exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So uh, so let's get into what we've been reading. Um, I, I mentioned before, I'm, I'm in the middle of a book, so I'm not going to talk about it until I've like read the whole thing right now. But uh, what have you been reading recently? What do you just, what's the book? I know you don't want to talk about it, but I, uh, you got me, you, you struck my curiosity enough. <laughs> it's called SPQR. I think, uh, let me, let me double check that that's the correct, uh, ar- arrangement of those letters. Yes, it is. Um, which stands for Senatus Populus, uh, Romanus, which is like, basically it's a, it's a history of ancient Rome. 
um, because my wife and I are planning this big trip to Italy uh, later this year. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But um, the uh, yeah, th this book is like a it, it's written by this woman named Mary Beard, who I think is a professor at Cambridge or something. And it's uh, I guess the the reviews all say, like, you know, if you're going to read a, a history of ancient Rome, from somebody who knows what they're talking about and can uh, get all of the ideas across in a way that doesn't make your eyes glaze over, this is the book to read. Um, and I, <laughs> I had a uh, uh, sort of a, I, my minor in uh, college was um, classics, like Greek and Roman history. So really? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with a lot of this stuff or was, you know, t many, many years ago. Um, but honestly, like a lot of it, I've just, in one year and out the other completely forgotten. I was like super into all this stuff, you know, a long time ago. Um, but since we're going to Italy and going to be walking around in a lot of these places where, you know, these people did all these things, uh, I, I wanted to sort of um, re-immerse myself in that world a little bit. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about like the quality of the book or whether or not it, it sort of struck a chord with me um, when I'm done with it. I don't want to uh, unfairly judge it halfway through or anything, but um, boy, yeah, maybe but... I shouldn't have asked you about this before we dig into what I'm doing. Cause like I got the least classy <laughs> shit in the universe. Uh, well, no. So, so what happens is I, I do, I'm one of those people that like it, people talk about it with books all the time, but I do it with comics all the time where I buy a lot of trade paperbacks and for people that don't read comics, it's essentially like five to six issue collected editions. So like, it's usually a full story, uh, story arc. And so I buy a lot of like trades of comics and then they just sit in a pile. And right mm -hmm. now the pile of stuff that I have that is unread is just like, it is just daunting. So like, <laughs> but, uh, but I added a cup. So I, so I finally picked up a few and I've barely touched any of them, but uh, it, it, two of them are like as a direct result of this job. So I do superhero bits for us every day. And uh, image comics had been teasing something on their Instagram for a few weeks and I had been covering it. And then it turned out that it was a sequel to a original graphic novel that was called shirtless bear fighter. And I did not know that this existed. And so like I Googled it and I, and I don't think like I've purchased something so fast, <laughs> just like, excuse me. And like, so I, so I got like this shirtless bear fighter graphic novel and I just read the first issue and it is every inch what you would expect. Um, from that title and that was as a direct result of this job uh but uh, god bless comic books for existing um and then uh and then on the other end of the spectrum the eisner awards were announced a couple weeks ago and uh that's essentially like the oscars for comic books if you don't know and there was one that i was going through and again i was covering them for superhero bits and there was one that caught my attention called not all robots and it was from some very small publisher and essentially it's kind of playing with the idea that like, you know, there was like the not all men or whatever thing going around mm -hmm. a few. And so this is in a distant future where robots do a lot of things for humanity. So it's kind of playing on the idea that like there's there at this point, a bunch of like stereotypes have have and cultural things have existed, you know, now taken place for robots, essentially mm -hmm. like they're a subset of people. So this is like, you know, it, and again, I barely dug into it, but it's pretty fascinating. The art style is really cool. And, uh, and then, uh, I finally picked up and I haven't dug into it yet, but uh, it is one of the more talked about comic book series the past couple of years is uh, something is killing the children, which I finally picked up the first uh, volume of it's been optioned for, I believe a movie hmm. uh, it might be a TV series, but this is one of the most, uh, I think it was James Tinian uh, wrote it. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is. Um, uh, yeah. James Tinian who, who did a little stint on Batman has been one of the more, 
uh, prominent uh, uh, comic authors of the last handful of years. Uh, yeah, this is a very well-regarded book. And, and uh, yeah. What's and, it and about? I, I've never heard of this one. Um, yeah. So, so again, this is like, you know, again, well-regarded comics before they're turned into anything or, you know, it's still a comic. So it only, it's reaches only so, but it's more of a horror book. Um, and, um, <clears throat> I'll just go ahead and give you the synopsis, but, uh, it's been a year since Erica Slaughter was last seen in Archer's Peak. Now the hunter has resurfaced to take care of, uh, to take on the case of a girl who's seen a new kind of monster, one with terrifying implications. But that's not all she'll have to contend with. Erica has broken ties with the House of Slaughter, and that can only have deadly consequences. The Order of St. George does not forget, and they do not forgive. While Erica goes on the hunt for her deadliest foe yet, a mysterious figure follows closely behind, bringing the storm like she has never seen before. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so there's... um Oh, that was for the more recent arc. But anyway, but it's it's like a fantastical sort of horror story you know, but, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's that it's, it's, but, um, you know, uh, 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 of high regard, uh, fantasy horror basically. Nice. Yeah. The, uh, something about that description reminded me a little bit of the, uh, the trailer for prey, which dropped this morning, the new Hell Predator, yes. um, prequel. Yeah. And, uh, I, I should have mentioned this in what we've been doing, but I had the chance to talk to Dan Trachtenberg, the, um, the director of that movie and the producer, uh, Jane Myers, um, just briefly sort of for, you know, a few minutes for an article that was timed to the release of the trailer. Um, so we could sort of get that up at the same time on slash film. And, uh, it was great to talk to Dan. I've, I've talked to him, you know, a handful of times over the years and I, I love 10 Cloverfield lane. I thought that was an excellent, uh, I love that movie debut. so much. I love that movie so much. Yeah. And I'm really excited about, uh, about seeing what prey is. And I thought it was really cool. The, the news about, um, how, uh, because the movie, I think one of the the only good things really about this movie uh, going straight to Hulu, um, for those who don't know, it was originally like set up at 20th Century uh, Studios and, and then the, the uh, Disney merger happened and there was some questions about whether or not this movie was actually ever going to actually happen. And, and then it just sort of got bumped to Hulu. But one of the good things about uh, the Hulu release is that for viewers, you'll actually have the opportunity to choose the language that you watch the movie in and Comanche, the, the, I guess the native language of the characters in the, uh, in, in the movie is one of those languages. And I think this is like the first big Hollywood movie to do that and, and bring the original, you know, the cast back to reprise their roles in multiple languages like that. Um, for, for this language specifically, I'm sure it's been done for other languages, but, uh, but I just thought it was a really cool, thing so anyway very yeah, cool very very cool that and uh i'm excited to see what trackenberg has up his sleeve with prey but uh I, I know that you were you know i think we've talked about me on this podcast before ryan about the idea of like how you're kind of bummed that you know that movie's going straight to streaming but um never more guess. bummed than i was today uh <laughs> <laughs> after you saw the trailer oh my god i was like i i i, I mean that there it, it once people talk to me and i think i've been at the site long enough where people know now like my tastes are not refined they are, they are they are simple i am a simple man if it is the kind of movie where like you are going to just get fist deep in a big bucket of popcorn and like you know just yeah like i don't want art i want <laughs> i want entertainment damn it and like and that and that prey movie looks like that is everything that i want like that is what i want and and I, don't get me wrong. I'm going to be very happy to watch it, but I, man, I would, I would, I would throw some money down to be able to see that in a the theater with a bunch of people. Cause that seems like the kind of movie where like you'd get some fun audience reaction and, and uh, yeah. yeah, but, uh, but no, it looks great. The, the primary important thing is that it looks great. 
definitely. Um, so I will, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link to that uh, article in the show notes so people can check that out. Um, and and uh, yeah, so and, and you can, of course, watch the trailer there as well. Uh, so let's get into what we've been watching, Ryan. Um, I watched uh, a documentary from 2017 called James Stewart and Robert Mitchum, The Two Faces of America. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Jimmy Stewart, more so than Robert Mitchum. I've seen a handful of Mitchum's movies. I'm not like super familiar with his filmography, aside from like the big sort of totemic classics, you know, The Night of the Hunter and, uh, you know, movies of that ilk. Um, But Stewart, I've I've been slowly making my way through his filmography, uh, just, you know, as a moviegoer or as a, a movie watcher who appreciates movies from all decades. Um, he's one of those like inescapable figures in, in American cinema history. He, he pops up all the time and uh, he's always great. So I was hoping that this documentary would really like give me a, um, I don't know, something. Uh, and, and it really kind of didn't, it's only, it's like an hour and a half hour 20 or something like that. And it's, uh, it's like a made for TV production and it just, the only interesting insights came from the daughters of both of these actors who are, who are adults now, you know, well into middle age and interviewed in this uh, documentary. And they talk about their experiences as kids, like growing up with these guys as they're, you know, as famous fathers basically, and, and sort of um, giving some insights that, that uh, about like their experiences with world war two and, and um, you know, just sort of like some maybe lesser known behind the scenes, uh, behind closed doors, family life kind of stories that maybe you wouldn't get elsewhere. Although I, I assume if you like actually sat down and read a biography of either of these guys, you, this same information would probably come up. So um, I don't know that it just felt a little cheap to me, the documentary and, and sort of like, oh, well that sucks. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to like, you know, crap on this thing that it's clearly like didn't have like a huge budget and, and doesn't necessarily have like huge ambitions either. But um, so maybe this is exactly what they set out to do is just sort of paint with a broad brush and give people an idea of like, who these guys were, but, but I guess um, that would probably work for, I guess maybe it depends on your audience, right? Because you are a guy who is pretty well versed in cinema in general, but if you're someone who is much less familiar, you know, maybe this does provide, you know, something, but, but I guess maybe it depends who's watching it in that sense. Yeah. And I was hoping really for like more, um, more clips of, of their work in movies. And it just feels like the kind of production where they didn't have the budget to be able to license the stuff. And like, well, yeah, you know, that, because that gets tricky with that stuff. Yeah. There, there are some things in there, like actually uh, Stuart and Mitchum co-starred together in one movie or maybe not co- co-starred, maybe too strong of a word, but they appeared together in one movie, um, a version of the big sleep, the, the sort of famous film noir classic. Um, and so they had several uh, clips from that movie where the two were interacting and, and there are some clips sort of scattered throughout, but anyway, it just, it, I was hoping for a little bit more from this. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I would recommend maybe just like if you're interested in these guys, um, maybe avoid James Stewart, Robert Mitchum, the two faces of America. If you're looking for anything, you know, deeper than just like a, a surface level sort of uh, very basic um, explanation or whatever. Uh, another movie to avoid, Ryan, unfortunately, is uh, Under the Tuscan Sun. Have you ever heard of this movie? Do you know? Are you yeah, of course. Yeah, story? yeah. I, had you, I, I can't believe you'd never seen this before. No, I'd never seen this. Uh, this, this came out in 2003. I was probably, I don't know. I mean, I'm very bad at math, so I'm not going to do the Yeah, this the is coming up right, on its 20th anniversary. It is, yes. Uh, and it, it certainly feels like it. The um, <laughs> gender <laughs> politics and, and sexual politics in this movie are uh, quite something and don't necessarily hold up to today's uh standards whatsoever but um 
I was I was 17, I think, when this movie came out. So like right in the period of my life where I wanted absolutely nothing to do with romantic comedies. Uh, but as I mentioned, my wife and I are planning this big trip to Italy and Under the Tuscan Sun, as the title would indicate, uh, is set largely in Italy. The whole movie is about Diane Lane, who's playing this woman who is in her like late 30s and she realizes that her husband has been cheating on her. So she goes on uh, this trip to Italy that her friends give her to, as a way to sort of get over this breakup. And she uh, impulsively buys a, um, like a, a, I guess a, a, a villa, I think is what they, what they refer to. It's this sort of old broken down, like definitely in need of uh, fixing up uh, villa in the Italian countryside. And, um, you know, the setting is definitely the best part of this movie. I mean, they go to Rome, they go to Positano, which is like this uh, gorgeous city on the Amalfi coast. Um, and so as a, um, a sort of like travelogue kind of thing, it, it has its, uh, its value, I think, it, for a, a fresh eyed viewer in, in 2022. Um, aside <laughs> from that, I don't really know if there's much to recommend here. Um, I mean, Diane Lane is like fine in it, I guess. Like uh, Sandra Oh plays a supporting role. So that was entertaining. But like the relationships and the character dynamics in this movie are um, are sort of all over the place. And Man, I haven't seen this in, in ages. And it's just funny hearing you like struggle to try to find. Like, yeah. I feel like this movie has kind of endured in some way. And it's just I, funny. I, to It's just funny to hear you sort of just grasp at straws. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it has a reputation because of its title and it was kind of like the eat pray love before eat pray love came out you know where like i feel like it operated it it sort of held that um position in the cultural consciousness a little bit so you know i i knew of this movie even, even though i'd never seen it and sort of knew the the broad strokes of it but um but yeah watching it now it just sort of uh i don't know i i, I don't know if i can really recommend it maybe oh here's the way the perfect way to watch this movie uh, on mute in the background while you're doing something else. I never um, thought in a million years that anyone could say anything that would make me want to revisit this movie, but like just because it was never, but now I'm like, now I'm really curious because <laughs> it just, it just existed in such an inoffensive place in my head where I was like, yeah, that Diane Lane. Great. Of course. Yeah, sure. That movie exists. But like yeah. now, and now I'm like, now I'm, now I'm really curious. I mean, it's, it's not like the most offensive movie that I've ever seen or anything, but um, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a, a quietly bizarre movie, I will say that, oh, and and that interesting. That is not. I, I don't want that to um, to spark people uh, like you, Ryan, to be like quietly bizarre. That means I have to check it out. It's actually just like sort of blandly bizarre. <laughs> like like there's a uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's one of those that just kind of makes you uh, shrug your shoulders and go like, oh, okay, I guess that's it. Uh, now, the amount of Robert Mitchum movies I haven't seen yet. Now I'm probably going to go watch Under the Tuscan Sun instead of instead uh, of some Robert Mitchum classic. Well, if you've not seen The Night of the Hunter, that is the movie to start with. Actually, I was going to say that's the one. It's been on my list. You know, it's what you do. Everyone has that list of classic movies they need to get around to eventually. Yeah, and uh, oh, yeah. that's on that's on my never ending list of. of yeah, I I just caught up with it like a couple years ago, and well, because well, really I'm sure away by it. I'm sure you run into the same problem I do, where being in our line of work, especially now with how much TV's out is that you need to stay current on some level yes. <laughs> and then also but then also trying to go back and and you know fill in gaps uh it is it is it is tough 
Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I, I, a lot of times we'll just like try to wake up at, you know, uh, like 5.30 or 6 in the morning or something and just watch something old nope. um, because <laughs> I just, that's like the only time that I, <laughs> that I can make to, to do something like that. But um, I realize that's uh, insane behavior to a lot of people. So uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of keeping current, Ryan, like, well, a perfect example of what you're talking about is like my wife and I've been watching The Sopranos and we're, I think, four episodes from the end, and it feels like we've been, you know, watching the final part of the the final half of the last season forever because Stranger Things popped up, and I had to watch all of that, and it's a billion hours long. And then, uh, you know, yeah, like you're saying, just sort of stuff for work always continues to sort of pop up. And um, one of those things that, that came up recently is the first two episodes of Ms. Marvel, the new um, Disney Plus Marvel Studios series. Uh, we got uh, the, uh, an early look at the first two episodes, um, and uh, I was sort of dreading it because I have very, very, very mixed to negative feelings about the Marvel shows thus far. I, I'm um, with you, man. Um, it's starting to take my it's starting to take my wind out of my sails. Yeah, like you know, Moon Knight really didn't do much for me, even though I could not love Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke more. Uh, I'm um, with you. But I have to say that I was just completely delighted by Ms. Marvel. Like, I, I watched the pilot episode and was like, holy shit, that might be, like, one of the best things that Marvel has done full stop. Like, movies, TV, whatever. I'm so happy um, to hear that. Yeah, it's it's so great because, like, the stakes are so low. It, it really just feels like um, like pulling things down and and uh, instead of, you know, going bombastic with it, just really But that's getting... why I liked Hawkeye so much. That's why Hawkeye so far out of all the shows, like, worked so well for me. Like, out of, and and that sounds great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's it's really good. It, it sort of is in that Hawkeye vein where it is definitely small scale and personal, but this is, it, the way that I keep describing it to people is it's kind of like the Mitchells versus the Machines meets um, meets the big sick where there oh, are absolutely it's, it's like that cultural specificity that is uh is really endearing and something that we don't often see on screens very much but it's like also super relatable and like everything about the uh, construction and the structure and everything of these first two episodes is um is super super solid and even ryan one of the things that i um i really find grating in storytelling is when uh, character and it can be done well but very rarely is this done well when characters are like fanboys or fangirls of a certain yeah. thing it just feels to me as you know a somewhat cynical viewer like uh, <laughs> i can see the decision tree that led to that happening as i'm watching it and like you know executives or whoever just being like yeah you know just like this is what the kids are doing you know it just it feels so um uh, cloying and desperate and sort of pandering in the worst possible ways so often but ms marvel herself the the character is a full-on fangirl and i was like oh no but it's done so creatively and so wonderfully uh in this in this show well because i doubt you probably didn't read the the comics right no the, i did not no okay because i because i uh, full full disclosure like when when you know that that, that was right when i got back into comics really heavily and uh and and everyone was like miss marvel's so good and like i'll be 100 percent honest like 2014 ryan was not like really like i was not like sitting there like oh man i really need to read miss marvel mm -hmm. but then i think it was around 2016 i picked up the first trade of it and it it is but it first off the the comics are phenomenal but like 
But the thing is, it's inherent to the character. She is the big part of it is that even in like the book, she's a huge fan. Mm -hmm. And like the and I didn't play a ton of it, but the Marvel's Avengers video game from a couple of years ago, Miss Marvel is kind of the main character. And they even weave that into the main narrative of the story Mm -hmm. is that like her. So it's like a huge part of the character, but it works really well for her. And I think that's part of the reason like Miss Marvel works for me, because it's like I am a fan and like you get to like sort of step into her shoes and and i don't know like the miss marvel thing always worked for me in that way of like oh you're you're sort of putting yourself in her shoes inherently as a fan yeah and i don't know i mean because you're on the superhero beat uh you probably know this more than i do but do you know if they've said and i might cut this out uh if they um if this is a spoiler or anything but do you know if they've shown in the trailers um anything about like avengers con uh, they, 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 they've, they, I think it was a vari- not variety. Uh, Empire Magazine article had something about Avengers Con. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, so that's another well, one of those that- things that, like, on paper, could be just incredibly um, self-serving and really, like, really gross. Honestly, um, you know, an entire convention devoted to the Avengers, it could just feel like Disney uh, patting themselves on the back, basically. But seeing that. Uh, setting that location through the eyes of these characters, uh, Ms. Marvel and her best friend, um, who are just such <clears throat> genuine fans of this stuff. Uh, it was um, like really just so nice and like truly delightful. And I was like, I was shocked at how much I was enjoying this experience because on paper, a lot of this stuff just seems like it would be like nails on a chalkboard to me. Well, well, that's nice to hear because it's very true to the character. Because again, like even in the game, the Marvel's Avengers game, the inciting incident is like Miss Marvel is ta- dragging her dad to go to, I think it's a day is what it's called, like Avengers Day. Mm. And it's a big convention all about the Avengers and like even and then the inciting incident happens. But even that's really fun in the game. Like you go play and you get to go like, you know, through her eyes of being excited about this stuff before she kind of becomes a hero. So like, that's nice to hear that they've sort of imbued the show with that too. Yeah. It sounds very, very similar in, in a great way. So anyway, if I just wanted to, to give a full throated recommendation to, I, I think the, the pilot episode is like borderline perfect. The second episode drops a little bit in quality, but not too much. Um, and I haven't seen beyond that, but uh, I just wanted to, to really say, cause like I said, I've, I've been, you know, kind of the downer when it comes to the Marvel TV stuff um, recently on, on Disney plus. And I hate being, you know, the, the voice of negativity uh, when, you know, oh, I'm, are, I'm, are I'm with you, man. I, Cause I love Marvel and, and particularly the movies, but man, these shows have just been like, cause, cause I, I was like the one guy that didn't really like WandaVision. Like I thought it was three episodes too long. Mm-hmm. The finale was a bit underwhelming. I was so on board for Falcon and the Winter Soldier and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier until that finale. Mm-hmm. And then the finale just dropped the ball so bad. I mostly liked Loki. I really liked Hawkeye. And then Moon Knight just, man, did Moon Knight just take me out. I was like, nope. It's <laughs> just, yeah. you know, so, and I didn't even finish What If. I didn't yeah, even I care. Didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just can't care. I can't care about this much stuff. Like, you yeah. know, and just like, and, and but yeah, Miss Marvel is the one that I've been like, really looking forward to because it also was the one that made the most sense as a show for me like to start before you give her a bigger platform it made so much sense to me right it's It's, nice to hear that's good to hear. yeah it's really really good and the first i think the first episode comes out tomorrow um on on disney plus so i just i wanted to uh if anybody else has been sort of feeling um i don't know like let down a little bit by the marvel tv stuff this might be one where you want to tune in because this character i think is going to be 
uh, a real bright spot for the MCU in the years to come. Great um, to hear. And, uh, and you know, that that has happened in, you know, like uh, Kate Bishop, um, Haley Steinfeld's character in, in Hawkeye, I think is going to be a great bright spot for the MCU stuff. Even though I didn't love Hawkeye, uh, you know, the the relationship that she had with like Florence Pugh, for example, like that stuff, there, there's some good stuff in um, in in that show. And this just feels like I can give it a full throated recommendation without any almost really any caveats at all. So, oh, that's great. That's um, that's really good to hear, man. Yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm sure, you know, well, I actually I was going to say I'm sure. Peter will end up doing, you know, uh, like deep dives about it, but um, because I think it comes out on the same day as uh, as Obi Wan, so I don't I don't know what the plan is going to be for like uh, deep dive episodes in in the yeah because yeah we're week. gonna have some overlap for like three weeks between Obi Wan and 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 Miss Marvel yeah so uh, we'll see what happens there maybe um maybe Peter will like pick up the baton after Obi Wan is is over and talk about like the first three episodes in in one go of Miss Marvel or something but um anyway I've talked long enough Ryan what have you been watching. Uh, nothing of, of major consequence. Um, me and Peter talked about it yesterday, but I had to eat crow on Top Gun Maverick because I absolutely hate the original Top Gun. <laughs> like, and I don't mean like I dislike that movie. I straight up hate that movie. Uh, I, it is just the worst kind of eighties anything. And uh, uh, man, the sequel's good. <laughs> yeah. That is some good popcorn entertainment for you. Um, and uh, just man, I don't know that there's been that many good looking people in a single movie uh, <laughs> like ever, maybe like that, that. That that was like a little like like I'm a very straight man. But there was there was a lot of points from like, really, <laughs> you know, just like, man. Yeah. So uh, comfortable, comfortable enough to admit. Uh, yeah. Like, man, man, oh, man. But yeah, so a very entertaining movie, though. A lot of fun. I uh, can't really talk currently, but I'm finally getting caught up on Better Call Saul. I'm most of the way through season three right now. I'm trying to get there before it finishes up. Um, Oof, been man, enjoying you're, it. Uh, you're putting the, the train tracks down, like as the train is going over them. You're, I you're am. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, I, I put it off for a long time and, and, uh, but no, it's good. It's uh, the first, the first season was a little slow. Second season was, was slightly quicker. Like I felt like breaking bad definitely got into things quicker, but like, I like the, I like where it seems to be going. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, a lot of people uh, talk about it like it might be better than Breaking Bad and I'm waiting to get to whatever point makes people feel that mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. uh but uh, but I quite enjoy it so far. I'm happy I'm finally doing it. And uh the only fu- the only thing I should mention if you have Discovery Plus is I uh I used to really love like survival shows and I was talking to my girlfriend about like Survivor Man. She's like, "What? I only ever watch Man vs. Wild." And I was like, "No, no, no." So if you're not familiar, there was Man vs. Wild which was with Bear Grylls, which is a very high production value survivor show, high production value survivor show. And then there was survivor man with Les Stroud, which was, he literally filmed absolutely everything himself. And he was left somewhere for a week on his own. (laughs) And it's not the better produced show, but in terms of like a survivor show, it is so much more like, um satisfying because there's always that point midway through the week where something is going so poorly you can see like the misery in his eyes <laughs> and, like and that's the only reason you watch these shows and so and it's so much more real and he talks about why like and he demonstrates how or why it is real at certain points so if you have discovery plus survivor man is if, if you like any survival shows it is to me the 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 one to ever watch uh so i kind of showed her some some of that because i was like no no, you gotta watch you gotta watch a man really suffer (laughs) (laughs) like you have to like you're not doing this because you know he's got a whole support staff off camera like you gotta watch someone like 
just be so bummed out because they can't get a fire started and they got to sit all night in the rain, you know, <laughs> like just like, you know, just like, or the things that they end up eating because there's nothing else around. And like, I don't know, stuff like that is, is just so amusing to me. Uh, that truly probably says a lot misery. about me, but it is, it is. And look, the guy's doing it to himself. He's not truly in peril. So like, you know, you can only feel so bad, but like, there is a point, like almost every episode where like midway through it, you just see, just the genuine like you can't fake it for the camera like the genuine misery <laughs> in that man's eyes um uh, so yeah that's uh that, that was it. nothing of too major consequence but that that's what i've been that's what i've been getting on <laughs> okay so survivor man is on discovery plus uh better call Saul. i think you're watching probably on netflix, still on netflix still, okay. and then top gun maverick in theaters now making every penny that the movie going public has available to offer it <laughs> All right, so let's skip what we've been eating because Brad's not on here and we haven't been eating anything interesting. <laughs> but uh, in the what we've been playing section, typically, you know, we talk about video games occasionally, um, but occasionally we've also thrown in uh, music or podcasts or something like that. And you wanted to uh, to mix things up and throw some music recommendations in here. Yeah, so I think I've made this joke before, but I think if you had told anyone I went to high school with that I wrote for a living now, everyone would assume I was writing about music for a living. Um, uh, but I, I can't write about music to save my life, but I still love it a lot. And I still buy CDs. As I say this, I have a whole stack of CDs on my computer desk that I, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, I, um, we have a couple of gigantic Harry Styles fans on staff, uh, in Lex and Valerie. And, uh, and, and I, I, I had nothing against Harry Styles, but his new album, uh, uh, which is called just Harry's house is one of the best pop records I've heard in years. Uh, it is phenomenal. Um, if you can at all get into pop music on any level, um, it, man, it is good. <laughs> it is, uh, it is, if you can set aside whatever, you know, stuff you might may or may not have against pop music, I think it is absolutely tremendous. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, I think um, Lex wrote a review of that album at Paste Magazine, and I, she did. I retweeted it because uh, you know Lex is like the biggest Harry Styles fan that I know, and um, I, I read that you know without having really listened to any of his stuff aside from you know whatever's on the radio, just like you know the big top forty hits or whatever. I've never actually sat down and listened to a Harry Styles record front to back, um, but reading her review, which I'll link to in the show notes, uh, made me really want to do that, and I haven't found the time to do that yet. But um, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it as well. It's a da- it's it's a damn good listen. And then on that similar pop music train, I uh, feel like The Weeknd can do no wrong. And his album, Dawn FM, the album's good, but uh, it's a single, but it doesn't get as much play. The song Sacrifice off that album is about, that is currently in contention for, that's the song to beat this year for me in terms of my favorite song of the year. Uh, Just like, I I feel like The Weeknd heard all these Michael Jackson comparisons over the years. And then he finally just said, okay, fine. Uh, and then, uh, and then did that. And the only thing I want to highlight last is it's a much smaller thing, but, uh, I was a big punk rock guy for many years and there's this Latvian punk rock band called have no heroes. They just put out a, uh, an album called letters to nowhere that, uh, it's not like hardcore punk. It's more like accessible punk, but, uh, it's really good. And, uh, I did not know Latvian punk was very good until I discovered these guys. So if you're a punk rock guy at all. Check out letters to nowhere by have no heroes. Very good stuff. So. Well, Ryan, I can confidently say that this is the only podcast on the entire internet where you can hear a reference to a Latvian punk uh, band and a a uh, a twenty year late review of Under the Tuscan Sun. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as many podcasts exist out there, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> Probably the only time that's ever happened. All right. Awesome. So I'm going to link to, uh, yeah, Lex's review of, of Harry's house. I'm going to link to HT's review of Ms. Marvel, which you can read at slash 
And then I'm also going to link to uh, my discussion with Dan Trachtenberg and the, the Prey trailer. Um, so if you have not uh, read or watched or yeah, listened to whatever, uh, consumed those articles, um, you can do that in the show notes. So you can find more about a lot of the stuff that we talked about on today's show at SlashFilm.com, of course. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps, and send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.